Hello and welcome to the Building Your Path podcast. This podcast records the stories of those who have achieved their own success in their respective fields. Today we have Mr. Casey Puchk, the founder of Genius Garage Racing. Disclaimer, this was recorded over the telephone. Please enjoy. All right, um, I think we should start off. How would you describe your job? Like, how would, how would you describe what you do? That is a fantastic question and the one that I always end up looking at my wife and roll our eyes when somebody asks me. Uh, my primary focus professionally right now is the Genius Scratch educational organizations and building that. Um, and that uh, is a capacity where I have to wear a lot of hats. Uh, when we have students that we're working with them, uh, you know, I'm being a mentor, a teacher, uh, and a project builder in that way. Uh, but the greater encompassing factor is leading the organization and working to build that um, and get it to uh, get it to a, a, its own launching point. So, and then beyond that, of course, I will, uh, you know, build and work on some cars and motorcycles and do customs and a bit of art and things like that on the side. But um, primarily, it's just uh, leading and building the Genius Garage organization. Uh, could you maybe elaborate a little bit on the Genius Garage organization? Of course. Uh, Genius Garage was a concept that hit me really hard in 2013. Um, I had been thinking for many years that uh, it would be wonderful if there was a place and a facility where brilliant, driven young people with a creative spark uh, would be able to go to build and to learn. Uh, because it was my experience in the academic world, and most especially in industry, that there's very little in the way of outlets or mentors for these young people. Um, and if they're not fortunate enough to you know, kind of be born with the right pre-positioning, and it can be very difficult for some really bright people to reach the potential. So, you know, in college, I found that for young engineers, young designers, artists, etc., um, there's not much in the way of the ability to have real-world experience, which we see reflected in that catch-22 of how do you get experience to get a job if you can't get a job to get experience? You've heard that, yes? Well, it, um, after many years of... Uh, fighting to build something, create something after college, um, and being involved with restorations, race prep, and building. Um, I was mentoring some college students and engineering students and whatnot, and it hit me that if I was already going to be involved with cars, racing, and engineering, uh, and have some incredible contacts of people uh, you know, around the country and world that have a lifetime of wisdom to share, then I may as well uh, arrange it in a structured way that can actually benefit the lives of uh, young people, uh, effectively make better what I found to be wrong when I was young. Uh, and the first year was 2014. Uh, we uh, created it as a, uh, effectively a mock racing team, professional level racing team. We had the Indy car and uh, competed with uh, in the realm of vintage racing, of course, because that's a great environment to learn, but you can actually have some very high-end cars. Uh, and it was a smashing success. Uh, and from there, there were some individuals that saw the potential and value and what I was doing and got behind it enough that together we uh, kept building that. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, 2018 was the first year for the aerospace program where we also built an airplane. Um, and I started mentoring some students with design and automotive design, the art aspect. And this project is just really starting to have a bit of an exponential takeoff, but it's exciting because it really does all go back and reflect to the, you know, the original vision. So in short, Genius Garage is really a dream shot uh, educational internship, um, and it's that opportunity to 
no longer have a ceiling for creative young minds. Uh, that's wonderful. Did you, is this something that you wanted to pursue in high school, or did you have a different plan? Well, I mean, as a young person, uh, I didn't necessarily think in terms of big picture CEO level type things. Uh, you know, in major organizations internationally, young people generally are always asked the question, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, like, where are you going to work? What are you going to create? Those sorts of things, right? And for me as a young person, I uh, loved race cars, uh, loved sports. Uh, I loved designing cars. And frankly, in high school, I wanted to be an automotive designer. Uh, which I quickly found out is a path that is uh, vague at best academically and <laughs> difficult to find. And, um, you know, I had uh, some people that cared about me, of course, but I didn't necessarily find the right or the only mentors that could really help me reach my potential through school. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be an automotive designer. I looked race cars back then. And uh, Genius Garage is something that uh, came to me uh, after another <laughs> decade plus of living. And, you know, life philosophy realizations that, um, hey, this needs to happen and no one's doing anything about it. So I better do something about it. Uh, that's pretty great. So it just took time for you to realize what you wanted to do. You see, you didn't just know straight up what it was going to be. Well, I, don't, I think you're right if we word that slightly differently. I've always known what I want to do at any given time of the day or my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always had ambitions. I always had dreams whether that's um, just life and family and relationships or travels or business or maybe just some shiny thing I'd, I'd like to own one day. Uh, but, um, you know, Genius Garage was more of a philosophical leadership type thing that came to me in, in that type of life stage growth. You know, the 30s, when you look around and go, wait a minute, uh, the world needs to be a better place and I know how to do something about it. So um, I, I, I came into it. And maybe if my life went away that... Uh, I uh, would have thought been better uh, or younger, or if I was able to launch my own career better by having better methods, better opportunity, I, I wouldn't necessarily have arrived to this point until maybe much later in my life. But uh, just because of the own experience I had and what I saw as a young person and, and my struggles and meetings and things, I arrived to this uh, point much quicker in life. So here we are. And. So during college, uh, what major did you pursue? My major, the thing I wanted to do was automotive design, but my family had all gone to Ohio State University, uh, so I didn't know better as to find another school. Mm. <laughs> so I ended up there, um, and both my parents had majored in fine art, despite my father running a business, leading that, and uh, you know my mother doing a bit of acting and such. Um, so I really didn't know any better. And Ohio State did a thing where you can design your own major, which I don't suggest for young people. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> Ohio State, but almost anywhere, because then you have to explain what you did. Uh, so I uh, ended up tailoring my major as best to suit what I thought was the right direction to go. But I flirted with the idea of you know going into commercial aviation and being a pilot. Uh, and whatnot, but then later deciding I don't really want to be a bus driver in the sky. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, specifically speaking, my uh, major sits largely within what is the fine art, um, with a lot of technical aspect that goes into a bit of robotics and design and computers and a massive amount of time that I spent with uh, engineers and uh, building team stuff back then. All right. Um, and so... Uh, I, I assume, like over the course of your life, the overarching like goal, the or, overarching like 
sector has been cars, really. Is this correct? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a goal, but that, you know, cars are a, a wonderful thing that uh, really connect people uh, if they come from an industrialized country and many different walks of life. Uh, cars represent sports, transportation, utility, art, even social class. Uh, and cars are just a wonderful way of connecting people around the world and having a lot of fun. So for a young, uh, young person uh, that is... Uh, you know, that loves art or mechanical things and engineering and sports, uh, it's a heck of a great thing to be involved with. So that, that was a huge love in mind, of course. Uh, but, you know, my other lo loves involve uh, you know, nature, animals, uh, airplanes, trains, lots of mechanical things, you know, history. Um, so how have you per uh, pursued this, like, mechanical interest of yours, like, throughout your life? What are some maybe projects that you've uh, been a part of? that because it's not necessarily how do you pursue something I think the modern thought is oh I've got to go to school to learn something well you don't you know one's learning and ambitions and creations doesn't start or stop with school so if, if, if somebody has a an undying thirst of knowledge or interest or creation you find a way and in doing that I would make friends meet vendors people that are older than me mechanics and I would ask questions and hang around um, I would uh, fiddle with cars, I would restore antiques, maybe old 124 scale slot cars, radio control cars. Um, I was a bicycle mechanic my freshman year in college and then I ended up graduating college as a senior and I was working part time as a furry mechanic. So, you know, if you, if you have a, a great interest, then it's up to you to pursue it. And if you're interested enough, the information's out there, you just got to find it. So you believe in education outside the classroom, like just pursuing your passion and just learning what you can outside as well? Of course. And it's not just a belief. It's just the knowledge that it is there. Mm. Um, and if you just decide that you're only going to learn in school, well, be prepared to not go real far or not know much. <laughs> learning is an everyday affair. You wake up, you meet somebody new, doesn't matter where that person's from, but they've got something you can learn from them. And, um, you know, whatever that thing out there may be. So it's um, education really comes down to learning how to think and learning how to see. And when you can look at things uh, from different perspectives and, and different um, angles and give consideration to it, whether you're interested in it or believe in it or not, that's, that's really hurting your quest for learning for the rest of your life. And so... Like during this time, so what would you suggest? Let's say somebody has a passion for fixing or building cars. How do you suggest maybe they get started of pursuing this? Because a lot of people have a problem with the first step. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm, I'm so happy you asked that question. Um, and I think the first thing we need to address is money. Mm. Because cars are expensive. doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter if it's a Bugatti Veyron or just a older Toyota MR2. But if you're interested in cars and the mechanics and everything that goes into it, um, those interests carry on to other things. Um, so those ambitions you can find, whether you're restoring an old slot car, building that racing, and a wave patrol car, or a bicycle, or you know, building model airplanes, that's all the same stuff. And then when you start being wanting to be involved with cars and learning and doing that, whether it's a go-kart or an old motorcycle or a moped, doesn't matter. Um, you know, you can start looking into that. and knowing how much these things may cost, whether it's new or you find a deal or use something. Um, maybe you invest in tools. Maybe you have a friend or family member that lets you borrow some. 
uh, and you just you have to have a quest for knowledge and finding a way to do it. Uh, knowledge and being involved with cars does not you are not limited just by how big a check you can write and go buy something. You're limited to how creative you are to find a direction. But there's a way to get involved with everything from any level. So that's a it's a very nice mentality. I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I just also want to ask you, um, what were maybe some uh, hardships that you've befallen through all these ventures of yours? And like, how did you maybe uh, get through them? Because another part of, major part of obviously finding success is disappointment. And that is something a lot of people have trouble with. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, what are some of the hardships I've faced? Uh, I would simply say all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truly, it's a tip of the iceberg. I know a lot of people see me... Uh, whether it's on a YouTube video or some picture and everything looks fancy and exciting. And, you know, that's, that's typically when those things are done. But, um, you know, if, if you end up driving a car, especially something faster on track, for every, you know, 15 minutes you might be on a track, there's thousands of hours of work behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, there's just massive amounts of work, hard work, long hours, thinking critical thinking i could be driving a car in a shopping center or you know uh, anywhere and be trying to solve a problem whether that's mechanical people are one of the biggest problems there is (laughs) one and our social media age is terrible at proliferating this but jealousy and insecurity uh if people find jealousy or insecurity that usually manifests a very negative way with others when people could actually work together and do something better and go somewhere together. And at this, and the other end of the spectrum, too, as funny as this may seem, billionaires are their worst enemies because they can't get out of their own way. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't matter if somebody is rich or poor. I think the most difficult thing in life is just people trying to come together and working together for a common goal. Uh, and that really just comes down to the nature of what leadership is and organizations when you're trying to build something bigger. Um, and, and make good things happen. So, um, yeah, hardships. It's just uh, a person only has so many resources of time or money or whatever in the day, and it all comes down to how you apply that. And uh, sometimes when you're out there uh, at sea or in the jungle, perhaps trying to find a way, uh, there, there may be a dragon or two. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, but that's just life, isn't it? Um, and I want to go back to something we discussed earlier. Um, so have you ever like had a set plan for yourself? Like you were like, all right, by age 25, I need this. By age 30, I need this. Or did you just go with what you felt like uh, you need to do at that time? The second one, set plans never work or they're really boring. Or they <laughs> set you up to not go as far as you can, at least in my opinion, a lot of time. You know, but at the same time too, you really have to have a balance of both. So let me kind of answer that question initially, and then we'll we'll circle back as a whole. My mentality was always, at any given time, here are all the circumstances that are in front of me. These are my resources. This is what I stand for, and this is the direction. This is what I want to achieve. What is the best direction of possibility for me to do that, no matter what? what? What is the best, biggest, fastest way I can go somewhere or do what I can with what I've got? And are all the things that I'm doing and all the directions that I'm going getting me, you know, <laughs> am I going the direction in general that I want to be getting closer to my goal or am I getting farther away from that? And that, that question sort of is a self-reflection. So really, for me, it was more about of, um, 
<laughs> what is what with everything that I have in front of me? What's the best way to get there? And maybe that's building a base. Maybe that's learning at a time. Maybe that's realizing I have to take one step back to make two steps forward. Um, and that's that's really what I focused on with regard to the other aspect of the set plan that I want to be here at this age or at this time, etc. Um, I didn't put too much stock in that, but I always had a realization that uh, we do age, uh, our life is only so long and could be shorter at any given moment. And there's a lot more to life than just cars and money or business. So try to have some kind of balance um, and realize that uh, there are times in life for certain things. Uh, and if you uh, miss those opportunities, those are missed opportunities. Uh, could you elaborate on this idea of a balance of like, how you perceive balance in life? Well, it, it all the balance in life has a lot to do with where you're from and how people perceive things. I'll give you an example. In the Midwest, uh, much of the populace believes that you basically need to be working 24-7. And if you're not working, you're crap. And if you go on vacation, you should be working too. And then you're, you're somehow not as good for that. Or you just need to make so much money that you can go do nothing. Uh, and I, I don't think those are really healthy, um, you know, vantage points. Uh, and we could have a whole other podcast on where we think vantage points like that evolve from. But a balance of life is just realizing that you are indeed human. You know, you have certain needs and desires and emotions. Um, it's being able to admit to yourself um, why you are who you are and what you do, good or bad. You don't necessarily have to tell anybody else, but if you can't admit to yourself who you are and why you're there, what you're doing, then good luck ever getting anywhere that potentially will make you happy or balanced, you know? So it's, uh, everyone's different. Everybody has some, you know, slightly different potentially values or interests. Um, but it's just trying to attain the things that make you feel rewarding in life and growth and building and learning. But at the same time, you know, allowing yourself as a, you know, an emotional uh, and human natural being to, feel healthy and happy have a little fun you know how have you dealt with like uh like the people around you were talking earlier about jealousy and all this kind of stuff how did you deal with say people who would come to discourage you or to put you down well that's a great question uh jealousy is a funny thing uh and i only speak about it because it's something that i've 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 seen uh i've even you know experienced we're, we're all human you know um but that was something that i never understood when i was in high school or college it wasn't until my senior year of college that I honestly realized that any human being would ever be jealous of me. I never could figure out why somebody would be jealous of me because I always wanted to go somewhere else or grow or be bigger. So I, I never thought where I was at was something special. And that was a big realization. And then it was after college that I ever realized that somebody older than me could be jealous of me. I'm thinking, why are you older than me? You're an adult. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it, it comes for any reason. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Um, it's a natural human trait that happens um in terms of dealing with it it really just comes down to one thing being perceptive and sensitive to other people and how they view things what their wants and desires and needs are and insecurities and if you can you know relate to people regardless of where you're at that's the, the biggest thing and the biggest step towards moving together and growing together uh and that's the biggest way to get beyond um you know, jealousies or insecurities, uh, whether they're your own or someone else's. So that, that's really it. The biggest way to get past negative feelings, 
that others may have toward you or you have toward others is just uh, better relating and finding common ground and ways to know each other or care about each other or care about what other people value and, and where you go. That being said, you're always going to find a, a, a bridge troll out there that <laughs> is pretty far gone and doesn't want to relate to anybody. Uh, but to those people, you just have to steer clear of. And then... Um... Uh, earlier you were talking about this idea that you were saying uh, the rich or poor comparison. Um, do you believe that with success comes money or money success or what do you think the correlation is there? I don't think money has any direct relation to success. Uh, money is nothing more than a concept. There's nothing there. It's a tool that allows you to do something. Uh, that of course is my own belief. There's a lot of people out there that see money as a possession and they think that it makes them something when in fact it doesn't. Um, which is, is sad. Uh, you know, in my travels, I, I've spent, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. I mean, primarily everybody that works for their living. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a small store, an entrepreneur, or if you're a farmer, you, you might be, uh, you might be working in a factory making parts. It, it does not matter. Everybody was, uh, working for their living there. Um, and I've, you know, truth be told too, I've been around a lot of very wealthy people. Um, and wealth is something that a lot of people don't get to see and understand or know these people. But truthfully, there's many people out there that are super wealthy. I've seen guys with hundreds of cars in their collection that buy a giant building and they want to think they're a big deal, but they're, you know, a socially and emotionally stunted person that doesn't actually know how to live life or what makes them happy or others happy, nor do they know that they now have a power and sort of have a responsibility to their community and others to some extent as being a leader too. So there's, there's, there's many pitfalls in life. Um, and frankly, as one's wealth or power grows, the pitfalls can get bigger and your responsibility to yourself or your others or your family grows as well. Um, and I think that's something that people don't talk about or see much. Um, and I might've gotten off topic a little bit there, but it was just a concept that uh, I see a lot I wanted to bring up. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. And, um, uh, speaking about all this, you seem to have a pretty clear idea of your philosophy. Do you think this is something that's developed over time, or was it just always there? Um, it's something that develops over time. No, nobody has a, a clear-cut philosophy as a kid unless it's imparted upon them by somebody else, and at which point that may be subject to change based upon that person's experiences or their wiring. Um, I think that I was fortunate to be a partner with some kind of uh, basic roadmap of core values uh, when I was younger. Um, the caring or seeing of others, of nature, of life, um, and valuing things that have real value regardless of time or fashion. You see, fashions come and go, whether it's a new car or not, or clothes, but what, what is timeless, what matters as people and humans and stuff. So, uh, you know, I had a good bit of that to think about and then just, I guess, through my own life, I always would try to learn and I would uh, make friends with people that are from other generations, whether that's World War II generations or baby boomers or younger, because everybody has something to teach you, uh, whether it's from your own country or another. Uh, and uh, just, uh, I don't know, I just wanted more from life. So philosophy developed over time. Uh, and it's still subject to change or be polished a bit. But um, I guess when you know who you are and what you stand for, it's a lot easier to figure out where you should go. And so um, 
So what I'm hearing from your uh, thing, we've been kind of beating around the bush of the actual uh, question, but uh, what, what then would be your definition of success? What is your own personal definition? Make the world better than from when you started. Mm. Make things better from when you were there. And I don't mean better in terms of just, I mean better in terms of working for the nature of people, of community, of civilization, the better balance of people and nature, uh, the creating civilization or uh, organizations that can be lasting and balanced and healthy for a more healthy future. Uh, and those are some of the ideals that I consider success of the future. That's very nice. Uh, I would like to have a lot of fun too. Fun is good as long as it doesn't come at the expense of others. Ah, uh, I think that's a very good way of looking at fun then. <laughs> Very, yeah. very clear definition. You, you know, you, there's always cheeky fun. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of military guy friends. <laughs> we talk crap to each other, and that's fun. But it would be fun to somebody else. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta know where fun is appropriate and what your boundaries are. <laughs> and I wanted to discuss because um, I've seen a couple of your stories on uh, on YouTube and stuff like this. Um, what were maybe some projects that you've really enjoyed working on, or just uh, just had really a lot of fun with? Well, a turbine power Batmobile, I had a heck of a lot of fun building that. I've never done a turbine engine, and it, uh, it was exciting because it's also big, you know, imagination and dream and uh, kind of making fiction reality. That was great fun. I had great fun doing my Lotus 11 Lamar restoration because that was the first, um, you know, hand-rolled and beat coach-built aluminum-bodied car I'd done. Um, and, uh, gosh, I mean, I, I think... The projects that I always have the most fun with are ones that aren't just building something, but they're an intellectual adventure as well. They connect you to another time, another place, or maybe even a fantasy that's fun. And, uh, and then you go out and do something with it. So for projects just for the sake of building something aren't fun for me, but projects that allow you to live more uh, is what's really fun, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, um, and I was going to actually ask you about that because a lot of your stories, you seem to like take on a persona, get a, maybe a costume or have everything be, as you say, period correct or, and just right. and share that with the community and the people around you. So do you think that's an important part of the project? Oh, absolutely. Let's look at it this way. I mean, you could sit on Instagram all day waiting for the next supercar to come out or the next new top 10 song. But if you look the other direction, there's tens of thousands of years of adventures of uh, humanity. So, you know, if you're going to, like the one adventure where I got a 1931 Allmark Boattail Speedster, well, heck, I'm going to, you know, drive it across country and go do old things, try to experience what that time was like more. So it's a way to live beyond your years. There was uh, an adventure I, I, I got myself over to Europe and I hopped on a 250-foot, three-masted clipper sailing ship <laughs> um, fairly close to Amsterdam in November, sailed out through the North Sea, English Channel, Bay of Biscay, Atlantic Ocean, and down to Portugal. And, uh, you know, there was no one on the ship from North or South America, and uh, we just had a wonderful time. I saw in pitch-black waters on a moonless night, I saw glowing dolphins, um, you know, from the bioluminescent algae. Um, and I just, you know, there were just so many moments that uh, connected you to hundreds of thousands a year of people and sailing adventures and things that are almost regarded as fantasy. I made a lot of great friends and, 
met a lot of interesting people from other countries and cultures and related. And so, yeah, um, I basically stepped into the 1800s for those uh, those weeks. So it's um, it's exciting to to enjoy cars and going fast and doing things like that. But there's so many more levels to adventure and learning. And uh, learning by no means has to be dull and boring. I think that's the other biggest mistake with uh, teaching in academia is people think that unless you're sitting at your desk reading and quiet and unhappy, you're not learning. Well, that's that's as silly as to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. And um, uh, I really, I truly believe with your uh, philosophy and especially this, like, learning can be fun. And especially on your idea that, you know, you can look the other direction. You can see all these years of just innovation and creativity that a lot of people just glance over and um, sure yeah well it's uh you know i see earlier this year i was uh gosh biggest honors of my life i got invited by the uh, air force thunderbirds to fly with them and i said well that's great but can i come for a couple of days and work with you guys like let's work on jets i'll sweep floors polish glass whatever like let's let's be part of this let me uh, experience it and um you know, you just you respect them and their culture and their values and be part of it. So, you know, I mean, flying is super exciting, but I think it took them aback because I was probably about one of their first VIPs ever that actually wanted to come and work. So, you know, I think they accepted me a little more as a person, a little more camaraderie. And, you know, when, when we're flying and blazing across Death Valley and through canyons and stuff, I mean, that's that goes way back to history of breaking the sound barrier and early jets and things. So, yeah, we got to uh, resonate with that more. Maybe it was just in my own mind, but um, you know, when you when you put yourself out there and you really try to learn and measure it, beyond your years and such, relate. Um, it gives you the opportunity to live beyond your years. And that's uh, that's what's so good. And did so you worked uh, with them on the planes uh, during yeah, this just time? Just a little bit. I mean, they didn't let me do that much. They <laughs> like, hey man, check this out pump up this uh, primer bottle or here, make sure the tires are right. You know, the, uh, the gopher work. But uh, they're let me go through all the cockpit checklists and, you know, procedures and things and flight line and also in the shop and, you know, polishing brass fittings and such. And, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, it's uh, – at the end of the day, I mean, they're, they're people too, and they're doing a job. They're just like if you're going racing or something. It's just a, just a whole other – need and even more precision it's necessary very nice and also i'm i'm hearing a lot of um experiences you know not much like say material things rather using the material things to make an experience um yeah yeah i don't um i don't have loads of material things i used to have a few others <laughs> i used to have a few things that i really enjoyed prized and felt good about having because i enjoyed them but uh, some of those things went away when I started seeing this garage because, um, you know, one has to sacrifice to create. Um, you know, I have a few little things here and there, uh, knickknacks or something that means something to me. But um, uh, the bigger aspects in, in life are what you can create and do with others. So that's, uh, that's more important to me. I mean, I'd like to have nice things in a nice house and a couple of play toys like every person out there. But... You know, that's, uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of really sad, hollow shells of people that have a lot of pretty fancy playthings and houses. Uh, and so, it, I guess it just comes to show that you can have all the fancy toys in the world, but it's not going to make you happy. I see. And 
I and so with Genius Garage, um, has it been just um, have you been just accepting maybe college freshmen or people outside of college or what is usually like the the age of these people inside? Genius Garage has it's been for the last five months has primarily just been undergraduate uh, college collegiate students, typically from eighteen to twenty two is the age range. Um, we had some students in the last years are going to PhD or a little bit older college students. Uh, in the future, as it gets bigger, I do have programs set up that will be for high school or younger students as well. Uh, but that's a really pivotal time in life where uh, people can start concentrating and team building and uh, creating things together and whatnot. So that's that really fits the uh, middle of the bell curve in terms of what Gene Scratch um, can best effect for the future. Uh, and then with regard to my own YouTube channel um, and building that up, that's a that's a whole other whole other thing. But I guess the biggest thing that I found after doing the Ricky stories was that people cared that some of my stories actually had a meaning or a learning lesson or value. So um, for better or worse, I'm always trying to have that into my own YouTube channel um, and talk about things that other people just won't or can't talk about um, because I know people think about it too. So. Yeah. Um, very nice. And I also wanted to ask, what are maybe some projects that, this, that the students undertake um, during Genius Garage? Well, typically the racing team thing, we've got professional racing cars that are either going to be restorations or uh, refit or remodel or uh, development. Uh, you know, we've got a late 80s tube frame in the Corvettes. We've got a 90s Indy slash tab car, uh, closed cockpit prototype car, car car monocoque different things that fit different parts of the curriculum and learning. Uh, last year with the aerospace program, they built a Southwest Camel World War I biplane, and I, I mean an actual plane, not a model. Uh, one of the students I, uh, who came from, from Washington State, uh, I met him with building a BD-5 microjet, that's the little jet airplane from the Roger Moore James Bond movie Octopussy. Uh, we did that as a static display. Uh, and you know the list goes on, but just different great creative ways for different people to be able to get hands on and think and grow together. Switching is all about. Fantastic, and so it's just giving these uh, kids an experience to just, as you say, hands on, uh, hands on learning. Like just learn how to build and stuff, uh, the experience before their job. Correct, and the other thing great about Genius Garage, uh, I think that's important uh, in doing this, or at least as a startup. It was very important for me, two things. One, I wanted any young person that has that spark to have the opportunity to do it regardless of what background they come from, i.e., I got the funding for it so they don't have to pay. No student has ever paid to this day to be part of Genius Garage. Uh, so that was always very important. And the other, what the other thing I was going to say? Don't forget me, I forgot. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say that. Uh, I think in this day and age, people uh, think everything has to cost a lot of money if it's anything but sometimes if somebody cares so much about something or is so important that you can give anybody a chance i think that says even more that's very nice okay um i think that wraps it up uh, that just about wraps it up uh thank you so much for uh doing this it's very nice to hear your philosophies and uh it's really been a pleasure talking to you thank you well i thank you for having me on your uh, show man i really appreciate it uh, in the meantime, Casey Putsch, you can follow me on Instagram or YouTube. And, of course, Genius Garage is easy to find. Uh, and uh, we're growing fast. I'm not sure what next year will bring just yet because there's a lot of uh, interesting and big things kind of coming our way. Uh, so for anybody that's a potential pro pro projective student 
or even a plan, best thing to do, uh, you know, keep in touch of our social media as well as Casey Punch Instagram and YouTube, and we'll uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop with what the future is going to bring. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much.